Hello and welcome to Gundam, I hardly know them, the book club style podcast where we tackle every Gundam series and movie in release order. I'm Michael Pippen and I'm joined by three guys who each brought me a special CD from Hong Kong City. I've got Christian. Hello, hello. We got Alex. Howdy doody, I hope you enjoy that album of ACAG. <laughs> we got Simon. I, um... Mine was not a music item. I, I did get you pornography from Hong Kong City. With my friend Camille. <laughs> uh, welcome back to season two of the show, where we are covering Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. On today's episode, we are covering episodes 25 through 36. Uh, another great block of episodes. One thing that I did want to bring up real quick before we start is that I am instituting a new segment and it's called It's Not Okay with Alex Ravine. Alex, each episode you're going to tell us what's, what's not okay. <laughs> this can happen at any time during the show. Just let me know when you think of something. I have okay. a great, uh, I'll, I'll insert the, uh, the theme for your segment here. It's okay. It's not okay. It isn't? It's just Camille saying it's not okay. <laughs> it, does, it does need to be Gundam related. <laughs> but... Uh, it gives you an opportunity to uh, talk about something that to you was was not okay. I I, 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 I can think of a few moments. Okay. Oh, I'm yeah. sure you can. <laughs> that was not in doubt. <laughs> I knew exactly who to give that segment to. Um, but uh, first, before we start, I just wanted to uh, pass it around and let you guys talk about this uh, this block of episodes, what you guys are feeling about the show, real quick, just broad strokes, and then uh, we can get into some get into some episodes, Christian. Uh, what what do you have? On my first watch through the episodes, I was a hard. I wasn't. It was hard for me to stay like super invested in it because I didn't. A lot of times, I wasn't really understanding characters' motivations and what the heck was going on. And um, but on my second watch through, I had a completely opposite experience. I, you know with retrospect, was able to understand a lot more of what was going on. I was able to enjoy it more. And um, I think my opinion of those episodes, that block of episodes, has improved since that second watch through. Yeah, I, I think I had the same experience with my second watch through. What about you, Simon? What were you thinking? Um, I really really liked that this block of episodes uh focused a lot on the cities within kind of like the universe that Gundam, Gundam has made I feel like I've made that like very clear in previous episodes that I just like love whenever they touch down and you get to see all of like the cafes like in the cities on the moon yeah. and like all the skyscrapers and all the people and they had um I cannot wait to talk about the episode uh where um uh, Sarah does all that mischief and stuff. That was my yes. favorite episode Same. Um, that I've seen so far. That is easily, easily tops it. And it's just like, it's all the reasons why I love Metal Gear Solid. It's all the reasons. And it is kind of like, I think seeing that, I was thinking of Metal Gear Solid a lot when like looking at a lot of, or when watching the other episodes because they kind of already made that connection. And mm -hmm. I really liked how this block of episodes was kind of less focused on 
kind of like Gundam combat and more focused on, I'd say like stealth and like sneaking around the ships and doing battle mm-hmm. and sneaking around the mm-hmm. towns and doing battle. Um, because I don't know, it just like brings, it makes you kind of fall in love with the characters more and you're not seeing the characters as pilots. You're seeing them as, you know, people that are on these separate sides. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's very cool. What are you, Alex? Did you enjoy these blocks? I did. I, I really enjoyed like the middle part of these blocks as well. I also had a very weird experience watching these episodes or were part of them. I could only find them and like. I think it was like a Spanish dub, but oh, that's English. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little, a little confused by some of the plot points because there's a lot of different things happening all at once. But I did enjoy them. Right. How was the voice? How was the voice acting, or how was the acting on the Spanish dub? So confusing. I, I, at some point, I just had to tune out the actual like voices and just read it with like the music going on. <laughs> So I do. I don't recommend watching it that way, but it was a fun way to watch a few episodes. <laughs> I would love to. I gotta teach you how to pirate shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and just jump right in. Uh, episode twenty-five, Colony Drop. Jamiacon plans to drop a colony on the base at Granada. Sarah, the uh, cyber new type, informs the Ayuk and Camille uh, believes it's because of Sirocco. Cats frees Sarah and she escapes. Mobile suits are launched from the AUG ships, uh, and Camille, Opoli, Emma, Rekawa, and Kotz battle with Yazan, Sarah, and the others. The mayor of Granada wants to evacuate, but Wang Li is sure the AUG will be successful. Um, this is kind of a you know it, it, not our introduction to Sarah, but our you know our first big episode with Sarah, who's our a new cyber new type uh, character. Simon, does your love of four? carry over to any, to any of our other cyber new type characters hundo p i again i am going to like pop the fuck off on sarah's fit during the whole um the bomb episode yeah i prob i think um every time sarah shows up i like pause it i go get emma i say like people <laughs> should look like this and then i resume the episode because like i don't know i love her hair i love <laughs> the one thing that I don't love about her is like how thirsty she is for Sirocco. I get it. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like he he's kind of seems like a very like you know manipulative like just like you know co- cooler than everybody else leader that like you know th- always seems like he has it figured out. So like obviously that seems like somebody you want to get behind. But Sarah is just like there was a couple times in this block of episode in these blocks of episodes that Sarah seemed like she might stray from uh, Sirocco, but it never ended up happening. I do love Sarah. I love, love Sarah. Yeah, I, I figured you would. I, I did think, you know, we'll get into it more, but I think that the, the weird Sirocco energy where he's like grooming his, his certain uh, subordinates is definitely odd, but I, yeah. I agree with you. And I'm very excited. I will say that the most notes I have, and the most exciting episode I have to talk about is the uh, episode that you alluded to in the future. Um, <laughs> one thing that I did want to ask Christian, since he is our resident um, love doctor, is, uh, Christian, how do you feel about the, the kind of slice-of-life style love story that's developing around our, uh, our friend Emma um, and her 
her kind of like flirtation with the uh, commander of the uh, what's, what's the other ship called? The Radish. The Radish. Yeah. Did you have any opinion on that? Uh, that little side story. I. You know what? Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a lot to go on. Uh, I wish they mm-hmm. gave us a little bit more of this kind of lighthearted, romantic. Will they? Won't they? Type of situation mm-hmm. going on there. Uh. You know, in this block of episodes, it looks like my man, Commander of the Radish Ship, uh, forgive me for forgetting his name right now. Somebody. I don't know his name either. <laughs> um, I think he's cute. I like it. I have to agree with you on that. I, I The first watch through, I was kind of anti it. I love Emma. Emma's one of my favorite characters. Um, so I was like, I don't what's what's up with this doofy dude, fucking weird ass looking right. neck beard looking guy. But uh, it's grown on me, and I kind of I kind of enjoy it as well. It is a little bit of that, uh, you know, brevity that the show needs. Yeah, it's there's just like there's also so many <clears throat> like so many better love stories going on. I think mm-hmm. I love. I don't know. We can also talk about uh, Char's love story a little bit later because I think that is like one of the best love stories that I or the one of the best love stories I've seen so far in Gundam. Just like how subtle it is. Um, but I don't know. I do like Emma. Emma's nice. I do. I think Michael, you brought up a great point though. That you know, the tone of the show is like really serious and sometimes, you know, pretty depressing. Um, mm-hmm. So there definitely needs to be those little bright moments, or else it would be tough to get through. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's the this show definitely does a good job of adding in. You know, the the subplot of. Uh, Camille, you know, transferring porn from Earth to space. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Emma's, Emma's little side story here uh, adds definitely a little bit of that. Um, I will say that uh, this was, for me, this episode showed a lot of growth. This was a big, you know, a stepstone kind of moment for Cots, uh, which where he learns the most important lesson that there is to learn, uh, which is bros before hoes. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> He was so thirsty for Sarah that he he betrayed the bros and you know that you know he got thrown in the brig for it. Bright was like you, you know, Cots, we gotta sit down and talk about how important you gotta stay loyal to your bros. Cats, <laughs> although, like, <laughs> bros, cats, dude, come on, he. Like, I mean, there he was no me. reason for him to do that. That was like for real, bird brain. Dick brain move. I mean, he's also like what fifteen at this time, so. <laughs> but so still, even then, like, come on. Bro. Also, Bright sure does look going. He loves going teenagers in that brig. Oh yeah, I don't want to know what's on Bright's computer. No, I do not either. <laughs> <laughs> Episode twenty six: The Ghost of Zeon. Jamaicon wants to return to grips, but Yazan has a new plan. Fighting breaks out between the Aeugan Titan forces near a derelict Zeon ship. The Alexandria engages in battle, but the Argama and Radish uh, in Jamaicon is caught in the crossfire. Camille, Kotz, Emma continue to battle with Yazan. I think that this was a, a pretty cool battle. Um, this is, you know, an- another you know, decent episode, but it continues the kind of Yazan, Camille. Yazan versus everybody, um, you know, string of episodes where they just continue to fight. But I, I did enjoy this battle inside of the ship. 
Um, Yazan is surprisingly OP. Um, I think that he, you know, you wouldn't know from his character just because he's a lot of the characters in the show that are very strong. They seem to base it around the fact that they're new types. Um, but Yazan's just like this randomly, extremely powerful character. But they've like not alluded to any sort of like new type ability that he has or anything special about him. He's just a like a bro. A little bit Fun. though later on, right? In um, one of the later episodes in this block, there I feel like he has some sort of connection with Requa. But I could be wrong. Oh, Simon, what do you have to say? I just think, well, first of all, um, well, later on, he has the connection with uh, Soraka, where they're just, like, fucking, like, homies right off the bat, and they just do, like, yeah. the sickest, yeah. like, secret handshake, and then go, like, fucking, like, <laughs> play Ultimate Frisbee together. <laughs> he just reminded me very much of, like, the platonic ideal of, like, the barbarian class in Dungeons & Dragons. Like, <laughs> doesn't really think, and he's just, like, fucking huge. And I don't know. He also is like definitely on. He's what I imagine if like I got chronically addicted to steroids and only went to the gym. <laughs> like this is kind of what that would turn into. Um, but I also didn't. I found it like super unsettling that Yazan doesn't have eyebrows too. I kept having oh, to pause. Did not notice that. Yeah, no, because there was something. It was like weird, uncanny valley where like I like something was freaking me out about him. And then I just pause the episode, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, other than the fact that he's an anime man, what is off about this character? And it was the fact that his face is hairless, except for his hair. Um, but that's, yeah, that's my uh, in-depth uh, character um, description of Yazan. Thank you. Uh, the... One note, one note that I did have for this episode is that much like how in these series, it's like kind of like when Amaro and Char were constantly locked into battle. It was like every day they go to work, they run into each other, and then they have a battle. And then now it's Yazan and Camille, Yaz, or it's uh, Jared and Camille. I kind of wish that like every day when I like drove to work, I had like another car on my commute that I was just like locked in battle with every day. I mean, you could like drive this. by my apartment. <laughs> I mean, like, you work in customer service, right? This is true. So, like, can't you just kind of, like, project, like, Gundam characters onto the people that you're talking to and then kind of maybe use what you've learned in the show, the Gundam character's weaknesses, to kind of maybe outwit um the characters? For go. example, if you were on the phone with, I don't know, Sarah or something, maybe, like you could mention that Soraka would be upset with them if they don't do a certain thing that you ask or that um, their new type abilities appear to not be as powerful as you once anticipated. Um, I don't know. Just a little something to break up the day a little bit. I think I'll do that and we'll see how that goes for me. <laughs> yeah, that could also be very dangerous because if you kind of project that Yazan is one of the people that you're working with, you would kind of be stricken with an immeasurable fear um, during your customer service interaction. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Alex, I had a question for you. Yes. Do you do like Kotz uh, becoming a more consistent character in the show? Yeah, he's... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, more yes than no. 
Mm-hmm. He's a uh, kind of frustrating, but yeah. But I mean, I always was. I mean, it was fun to hate the kids in the first season, but I do love the kids. I do love that he is a recurring character for sure. I, I don't know. A lot of the opinions of like cats and the kids comes down to like if you as a person like kids, because like me myself, like. I don't know. Whenever I see, like, children, like, maybe it's just where I am at my life, but I just get this, like, immeasure, like, this incredible frustration with the fact that they're small and they don't know as much as adults do. Um, But it would be interesting to see someone, like, that's just, like, you know, super into, like, having, like, a fucking kid. Like, I don't know. None of us have kids. So, like, every time we see kids, we're just like, ew, that seems like fucking a lot of work. (laughs) Why aren't you acting like a regular person? So, like, me with cats, I'm like, why aren't you as, like, developed as Amuro? Amuro's so much cooler than you, cats, but cats is also, like, fucking, like, 12. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I expected everyone to hate cats. I thought, like, it's surprising to me that Alex is more yes than no on him. I thought for sure it would be more no. But I'm... (sighs) Uh, I'm not a fan. God, I think he's annoying. I don't mind him too much. I think that it, it, yeah, it's kind of nice to have this character to be able to see grow. And I mean, I just hope that we do see like growth within his character um, during the show. But it, it is interesting. I do have to remind myself that he was one of the children from the first series. Um, who, but they were. I I will say, for, like jumping forward a little bit. Um, to the, the the new kids that we get introduced to in this show, I will say that the kids in 0079 were much worse. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So I do think that, I think that they were much worse. I disagree ahead, Simon. with you. Really? Yeah, we can talk about it later. Let's have this debate later. There was yeah. a specific instance that I almost threw my Roku remote through my television. <laughs> 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 And then you would have to call somebody like me working in customer service and explain to them that you were watching Zeta and they were like, oh, this happens all the time. Another uh, case where the... You know, like, that's got me thinking, like, you are, like, receiving a lot of customers, but maybe, like, when I'm working with people, like, when I'm calling on the phone, like, ordering stuff for pickup and stuff, I could kind of, like, um, like, in the middle of the call, just be like, oh, my new type abilities, like... I think I actually want a side of fried rice instead of the white rice and like like you know play the little sound effect and stuff like that. <laughs> it's very powerful. You should do that. No, I um, shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, they would just be just completely not phased by it, I'm sure. You might be able to deal with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely just like uh, the stuff that people ignore, you know, that that would be the least of their issues. <laughs> Episode 27 Rendezvous with Char. The Alexandria heads for Earth while Char returns to space in a shuttle with the children, Chinta and Kuhn. Camille and the others defend the shuttle from attack by Jared and Yazan. So this is the episode where we're introduced to what what the people on the base, like Opoli, they call uh, Camille and Faz uh, hobby, which is them just arguing with each other, <laughs> which is like another kind of like a little, little gag that they have, their little hobby, um, which I don't know. To me, kind of found kind of annoying, but um, yeah, I, don't know. I feel like Fa's character is a, a little bit in these episodes in particular is not given enough credit. 
Alex, what do you think? I think that like this is just a great beginning of a very toxic relationship between Camille and Fa. Like, yeah, I can't start a relationship by like, just arguing every time you see each other. Yeah, and you know what, Camille is like his head is on a swivel one hundred percent of the time. Like, he's awful. Fa needs to stay far, far away from Camille. Well, like, Camila's also, like, blatantly, like, made out with someone else. Like, let's all, like, try to pretend that, like, Camila's, <laughs> yeah. like, Mr. Loyal over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, And, yeah, every time he talks about Fa, like, oh, he said something that made me so fucking furious. And, like, I also am, like, every single time I hear something that makes me mad, I'm, like, remembering that it's an English dub and, like, in Japan, like, the Japanese phrasing might mean something slightly different. But like, I mean, it was also, just... it is from the eighties, so yeah. it probably is also yeah, just it's like, like there's toxic a probably... in general. Exactly, but um, I think Camille was watching Fa do something, um, working with the kids, and he just thought to himself like, ah, this suits Fa much better, and I'm just like, Holy shit, Camille, <laughs> yeah. like, go fuck, like, jump into space, dude, like, Fa could beat your ass <laughs> in real life and in a robot, like, Jesus. But Camille is just a fuckboy, such a fuckboy. He's boy. literally, I don't know. Which, like, fucks me up, because, like, on the first episode of this, you all are like, oh, Simon is Camille. And then I'm getting, like, hyper, like, I'm like, is this what I'm like? Is this how I like? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having, like, a moral dilemma over here. I, like, need to get a haircut. My hair's starting to look like Camille, and it's, like, it's fucking me up. But... I don't dislike Camille. I think that Camille's a good character, and I do still like his character. I just think that he definitely, I mean, he has obvious flaws. Yeah. And I think you can blame a lot of that on the fact that he is a teenager, the fact that the show did come out in the 80s, and yeah. also, like, they're on a fucking military battleship. Like, there, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances, but the, the, toxic, the toxic masculinity really comes through. We got the... <laughs> A Camille apologist over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up Michael a little bit. Camille is a fuckboy, but I still like him. Like, you can, yeah. Like, okay. I can separate okay. him being a fuckboy when he's 90% of the time and this still being kind of cool. And he's still fucking awesome to watch in, yeah. in a mobile suit. I feel like there's so many people that I know like that who I'm like, you're kind of a piece of shit, but I love you. Like, I like yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the, one of his redeeming qualities, definitely for sure, is his fashion. At least he knows how to do uh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a, an outfit later in this block of episodes that just I just paused on it and was just Oh, so excited about. Also, I'm still going to live in my head that Camille is 100% ACAP, so, like, you give me a fuckboy, but at least he hates the police, too, so. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, so this is the episode where we're introduced to Shinta and Kuhn. Simon, go ahead. Why don't you like Shinta and Kuhn? I think they're great. What? There is an episode later on where they are asking Camille to fix Haro, um, yeah. and they start crying because Camille won't fix Haro, and that just, like, triggered something inside of my <laughs> mind. I think it was, like, it, like I got, I experienced the emotion of every single time I was a teenager, and my mom asked me to do a chore, and I was in the middle of playing, like, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, <laughs> like, just, like, like, 
it, it's just like the most primitive sense of like someone asking me to do something that I don't want to do and then them being upset with me. And I think that also the sounds of like babies crying like mixed with that just pushed me over the edge. And like, I don't know if it was because I didn't take my allergy medication last night or if like, so there's other stuff like I didn't have enough to eat. But I just like was filled with a rage that I've <laughs> we, never we have felt a, we before. We have an armor over here. Doesn't know how to eat himself. Seriously, <laughs> like my fucking new type abilities are coming in, and it's hard to maintain relationships when you're a cyber new type. I tell you. Oh fuck! The first ever cyber new type dating app. Okay, we can go into that later. <laughs> Alex, I say, uh, hey, hey, I think turn off your recordings. <laughs> I think you'd be on Chinta and Quam's side because you seem to love Haro so much. Yeah, well, <laughs> so because I like Haro, I should like the kids because they want Haro to be free. I, I assumed you would be on their side when asking Camille to fix him. Mm-hmm. You walk in on me, like, weeping watching that, just, like, pawing at the TV, like, just fix Haro, please, Camille. Oh, fuck. Maybe that's why I hate them. It's like, it's like, if you see yourself too much in someone, then you don't like them. Maybe... Mm-hmm. I mean, forgive me for saying this, but maybe I'm baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please uh, cut that out of the, the recording. You, tell the baby like... you that everything will be okay. God. Fuck. I'm all, like, riled up just thinking about the kids. Because the kids in, like, 0079 were so comically bad that I, like, separated them from the fact that they're children. Like, they were just, like, little weird, like, French bulldogs that ran around the ship with them. They like, <laughs> yeah. made human not, type noises. Not them to French bulldogs. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll 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 think of more instances on gripes. We're not going anywhere, Simon. Alex, what do you think? Christian, I had. A, how did you feel about that kiss? With Gerard, with Gerard in this episode. Oh, Jared and uh, Jared and Moore. Moore? Yeah, yeah. Moore? Yeah. I like told myself I'd figure out how to pronounce her name, uh, but I just cannot. Oh, uh, oh. I thought it was kind of hot. Like, um, <laughs> where they Gross! Caught red handed! This is anime! This isn't real! It's not hot! It was hot. Listen the horny police to Christians. Wee wee! I liked it. It was, uh, it was nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, and that's another, you know, a relationship that I was, that I'm behind in the show, for sure, Jared and Moore. Although, you know, it, that does have some toxic elements to it as well, because Moore yeah. seems to be giving more than she's getting. Whoa. Alright, that's strike one. <laughs> Bro, I guess I never thought about it that way. Also, I feel like at this point we can just say uh, it goes without saying that all of these relationships are toxic. Yeah. Except for yeah. Camille and Fours, maybe. No. That's based on some, like, that's some, like, we got that's... some, like, white savior shit of, like, we gotta Actually, save the world. Codependency. You know? yeah. Also, it's, yeah. it's oh, also yeah, yeah. such a, a, like, trauma bonding relationship. Mm. Like, you can't have a bond relationship when you bond over, like, I had a fucked up life, you had a fucked up life. Make your life better. No, yeah. you got the bow to make your life more fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need to think on this a little bit more. Maybe, uh, maybe right it's Frau Bo and Hayato. 
Our short king. Let's, let's give it up to our short king, Hayato. I'm yeah. sure he's not toxic. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta he's love the a, true hero of this You show. gotta love a short king. Yeah. Alright, let's jump into episode 28, the Jupitress Infiltration. Requa plans her next infiltration mission, this time to, invi- in, to investigate the ship, the Jupitress. Requa meets with Sirocco while Camille is attacked by Sarah in space. Christian, do you like this idea that Sirocco has telepathic powers? If so, like, what do you think about the introduction of telepathy in this, this sort of way? Um... Like, in terms of telepathy in the universe of Gundam, like, is it taking it too far, or does it fit? Mm-hmm. Does it add interesting things to it? I mean, um, I like the idea of it, like, particular new types maybe having um, some sort of telepathic powers. It seemed like Rekoa was, like, really impacted by her meeting with him. Like, it really sticked yeah. with her. And I was confused for a while about that but if he has telepathy then that makes a lot more sense like he affected her somehow yeah because it's interesting to see his he has a Sirocco has a very strong power or like very strong influence over Sarah and it seems like some of the other cyber new types and that makes sense because it's like they're obviously like we've seen how they're programmed to think that the AU group, they're going to make the sky fall, so it'd be very easy to program them to be like, Sirocco's your, like your savior, he's the one who's going to take care of you. And they're like infatuated with them. But it was really, like, the reason why I brought this up for this episode is because this is where Rekawa, you know, has this encounter with them, and he just like, you know, touches her, and it seems to have really stuck with her. Yeah. It like really affects her. And you know, at first... My, I kind of like, you know, Paptimus, mm-hmm. old Paptimus, but I'm starting to look at him a little more sideways because um, he rem- he's starting to remind me of like a cult leader, like someone who's mm-hmm. like really charismatic and uh, very manipulative, you know, and mm-hmm. attracts all these like vulnerable people to do whatever it is that they want, and so I I really think he's like if I were to re-describe him, I I think what would more accurately be kind of like a cult leader instead of a pro soccer wow. player. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to be one or the other. He can be both. He can be both. Well, yeah, I think that's like such a good description. And I I when rewatching these episodes, you know, we'll talk about it as we go on, but we see Rekawa start to have these you know little moments where people are being unjust towards her and like you can kind of see it kind of chip away at her and it's less of a whiplash the second time viewing it as it was the first time viewing it when she kind of has this moment where she she no longer wants to be you know a part of the au group kind of has this like i want to die i don't want to be a part of this anymore yeah. But rewatching it and knowing that this moment is kind of like the start of the like a splintering effect of all these other like little things that happen along the way, kind of slowly degrade her character, just being like, I I don't know who I am or like where I fit in with this anymore. Um, and I found that like way more compelling the second time as the first time I was just like, what is going on? 
and uh, maybe we can talk about that more as we as we continue through these. Yeah, well, before I guess before we move on, it is interesting having. Like I felt like I had two completely different experiences the first time and the second time, and because of that reason, I think that was one of the major things that put me off. Was like I don't, I'm not understanding her decisions right now, and this is like upsetting me. And the second time, I was like, oh wow, this this is actually a very interesting character development arc. Yeah, it's it's funny how like those things get better, and then some of the other things like kind of what we're talking about with these like relationship stories like you start to see the first go around you're like aha Ka and Camille they kind of like have this will they won't they kind of vibe and then like the second time you're like oh this is all so like toxic and just bad yeah. and then these other things you realize how good they were and how like they kind of laid the tracks better than you'd think um so I really I don't know I really enjoyed that that second viewing in some ways um, but let's go ahead and jump into episode 29. This uh, is the crisis at side two. The Alexandria heads for side two with a canister of G3 gas and a plan to destroy the colony and force the Ayug's surrender. The Radish and the Argaba send out their mobile suits and Camille attempts to stop Jared from deploying the gas while the colony's mayor tries to appease the Titan. What do y'all think about... Colin, um, Colin Weed G3 Gas. <laughs> yes. I love it. That, like, puts a really twisted, uh, new meaning to what happened to that one colony that one time. Um, yeah, yeah, if they were just, like, hotboxed, if, like, instead of, it's, like, it's actually been a misunderstanding the entire time. It's not, they're not trying to kill the people, they're just trying to hotbox the they're colony. They're trying to get it's them just, really listen, high. Listen, just something to think about, okay? Um, anyway. You know what? Forward. Basque isn't such a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a lot to say in this one. I kind of wanted to pair it up yeah. with episode 30, because I feel like... There's not a lot of, you know, while there's a lot of good action in these episodes, and I I do kind of want to touch on how good the animation on the show's gotten, there wasn't a lot of story development, I didn't think, for these ones. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'm looking at the, like, uh, recount of episode 32, and, I mean, like, it gives Jared more screen time, which is kind of interesting, because yeah. this show really picks and chooses when they show Jared, which I think is, like unique because camille is kind of facing up um against a ton of different baddies throughout the whole show but jared is kind of this constant enemy that is almost like a pot slowly boiling over a little bit which i really you know found interesting in the last episodes because you know it kind of started as this weird weird like oh camille more like girl and then it's like <laughs> kind of evolved into this like literal bloodlust of like jared slowly realizing that maybe he can't defeat camille and people are noticing around him that he can't defeat camille and jared like kind of turns into this like roided out like just madman kind of the same way that yazan is um so i mean like i think that's why they had these episodes just to kind of give show because if we didn't have these episodes, you know, the next time, I think the next time Jared confronts Camille, it's, like, really heavy, so you, it might not have been such a smooth gradient, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
So before we continue, I will just go ahead and give my quick summation of episode 30, oh, uh, sure. which is actually called Jared's Desperate Attack. The, the Alexandria pursues the Argama and the Radish to an abandoned colony. Jared and Moore, Moore fight with Camille, and when Moore and Moore sacrifices herself to protect Jared as uh, he tries to take revenge by attacking the Argama directly. Um, so we, we lose... This is, yeah, like you are saying, this is Jared. Again, it all starts with him calling Camille a girl. Camille then kills, kills the girl that he's interested in, and then he's sort of been fueled by that. Oh, I guess we do need to throw in the fact that Jared's <laughs> yeah, mom. Say, they have a yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big moment you forgot there. Yeah, I did forget that. Uh, yeah, okay. So, wait. Jared calls him a girl. Camille punches Jared. Jared, Jared kills, his kills Camille's kills mom, mom in real life. <laughs> Camille kills his girlfriend. That escalated. <laughs> and then it's been, uh, uh, this is now Camille again killing uh, Jared's girlfriend. Classic, um, classic Jersey Shore type banter. <laughs> I do. I did kind of want to bring up. Uh, I think that in this episode, Jared's desperate attack. I think that Camille could have killed Jared. Do you think, Alex? Do you think that Camille has kind of gained respect for him, and you know, kind of wanted to, you know, save him, or do you think that he actually couldn't have killed him here? I don't think he could have killed him. I also think Camille is a bit more single focused. Like, even if he could, I don't know if he recognized that, like, that was the his mission is just to do, like, stop the stop the gas and, like, not, like, like, Camille, like, kind of single focuses on those tasks a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, plot armor for sure for Jared not dying, but that would have been a really shitty way to see Jared die. Yeah, he definitely has plot armor. I'll, yeah. I'll agree with you there. Christian, what do you think? Um, it was interesting in this episode they they wrestle with the question of gassing an entire colony for a moment, but then they're like, "No, this is the this is the mission, right?" Yeah. Um, I'm gl- I'm glad you brought this up because I d- I did want to talk about it and yeah. I didn't have a lot of notes on it, but go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I I just. I, again, like the idea of the people that are doing the bad things still questioning why they're doing the bad things. I think that adds a bit of complexity to a cartoon that you wouldn't expect, um, where it's just, it, it is more of what we've talked about, which is just complexity in people's motivations. And, you know, you do see a lot of cracks that especially even, you know, characters that we don't like, like Mora, Mora and Jared, they're still kind of questioning why they would do these things, but then it's just kind of papered over by their superiors. Um, but I, I feel like it's just you know interesting to, and nice to have that in this show, as opposed to just being like the bad guys are going to do bad guy shit. Yeah, it's nice yeah, to have these. That's... Go ahead, Alex. What you're say, it's nice that we don't have these. Uh, yeah, villains just being comically evil. They do have some morals, and like, okay, maybe this is too bad for us to even do. Yeah, they they have it's showing like the complex kind of aspects of their motivations, but also the power dynamics involved. Right, these people are kind of conscripted into this war and are commanded to commit genocide. Like, well, it's more than genocide; it's just complete annihilation, right? And but they don't question it 
because it's, you know, it's for the cause or whatever, what they have to do because they're pilots, you know. So, what are you about to say, Simon? If you think of, like, an American cartoon that is this, that uses this much, like, moral ambiguity. Yeah, I don't think there is one. I don't think it was, like, an American show. Or, like, of animation, because, like, I, to my understanding, all anime means is just, like, animation out of Japan. Like, I think that is just, like, kind of, like, a colloquial term for that. So, like, and I don't know if colloquial is the right word to use there. Um, but, like, animation out of America at the same time um, was just, like, G.I. Joe and, like, you know, Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Laboratory. And watching that in contrast, it just seems like the American like cartoons are so lazy in the way that they portray like bad and good and i don't know it's just like crazy to think like imagine being you know eight years old because like when i was eight i was watching scooby-doo right like that was the cartoon that i watched it is scooby-doo is it has a formula like gundam like you know with the battles and everything and it's like there's one bad guy there's what six good guys and that never changes and they never question if the bad guy is bad um maybe a little bit in like newer scooby-doo movies but like being eight years old and kind of watching like this show and you know having to think about like huh i'm eight years old rather than trying to find out like one what if there's a what if there's mummy in museum when i go there on my field trip like thinking of like what if my school gets like gas attacked by giant robots and i have to decide if i want to join the bad guys because they have more power or if i want to join the good guys and risk being like having my family be devastated i thought that was interesting you brought up scooby-doo because i whenever you mentioned the question i kind of thought of scooby-doo actually in a way that they do. Uh, I do feel like Scooby Doo is interesting in how it treats its villains because it does sometimes explain like while why they're doing what they're doing in a very like they are bad people and we're hey. gonna take them away and put them in the brig. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, I feel like I feel like just the the difference in culture between what these stories were made and wake of is just so vastly different. Um, Considering that the the greatest atrocity that's ever happened to Japan was by Americans, yeah, um, and so it's just you know, it's a very different way of processing, you know, this these terrible things that have happened, and a lot of these creators are definitely processing that. Yeah, if and then I we would, also have to. If I ahead, would to add to that, I think also too, it's probably the nature of the markets between you know Japan and the U.S. So, and I think you hit on it earlier, Simon, when you said. Well, anime is just a Japanese for animation, right? Um, and so the audience is wider. The demographic is more understood. And um, it's just the, the age range for these kinds of shows is much wider as well. So you can get away with something like Gundam in Japan mm-hmm. and explore these serious uh, nuanced themes. Whereas in the U.S., I think it was perceived for a very long time that cartoons are only for children, and so the only themes that we're going to be really exploring are things relevant to children. And even now, I think there are some newer cartoons on Cartoon Network and stuff that are doing a better job of infusing like real-world subjects into their, into their shows. But I think that's probably why, for a long time, 
you don't get shows for for kids that are exploring those serious subjects yeah i i want to actually drive home like saying like okay we're like you know america like cartoons in america in the 80s were kind of very close-minded but yeah uh i've been watching a ton of cartoon network shows nowadays and it feels like that gundam could be coming out in sync on cartoon network at the same time as those shows because like i've been watching like craig of the creek and like all of these shows that are you know intended for or what what i tell myself are intended for children but they're bringing in these mature subjects so then watching gundam it's kind of like oh, it, it, this isn't anything new. You know, I've seen this on Cartoon Network, but it was something new in the 80s. So I don't know. It's it's a very cool, yeah. very cool show. And like holds up in 2020 because like bringing like mature subjects into cartoons, like that's sh- like America's like just started doing that with like when it started coming out with like regular show and shit. Like in Adventure Time is like, I think really pioneering American, you know, non Scooby-Doo like cartoons. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we um, we probably just had one of our bigger discussions of the episode, and it's on two two episodes of the show that we didn't really know that we had a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do agree with Simon that G3 should just be weed. <laughs> and that's what, if anything, you take away from this discussion is that. That's yeah, so That's fucking cool. Thing. Like, imagine, like, I'm at a party, okay? And I'm just like, yo, I think, like, bro, like, this G3 gas is hitting different. Like, this G3 is gas. <laughs> like, I sound like a cool, <laughs> sick... I sound so cool right now. <laughs> Wait, uh, okay, real quick. Is G3, uh, is that an indica or a sativa? Oh, it's absolutely a sativa. You get fucked up. You sativa. use fucked up shit with, with that G3. <laughs> When you when you hit G three gas, you think you're in a Gundam. You're like, you're like, you're like in the upper left hand corners of your eyes are like the UI screens of just the like very simplistic yeah. shapes. Like, oh my god, uh, incredible! And with that, we're gonna take a break. See ya. See ya. Salt is the indica. <laughs> Welcome back. We're back. It's the show that you've been listening to, but we're back. Um, Welcome, we're back. <laughs> oh shit, we're back. We're back. We're busy oh, getting rich off of all our all of our major sponsors to the show. Yeah. Because of our yeah. giant please, please throw all the money. I'm saying that. Yeah, vegetables just as a concept sponsored us. It's like, like yeah. all vegetables sponsored us. That's all vegetables all the time. Yeah, I mean, big veg. Fruit came, veg. came for us, but we, you know, we took the offer from veg because the, the veg offer was much better. <laughs> um, so I didn't actually prepare, you know, typically we play a game of some sort or, you know, some sort of segment. Um, but this week I did not come up with anything. However, I did see an article that was floating around uh, that came out uh, a little while ago from this website called CBR.com, which is apparently like comicbookreader.com or something. And it is the 10 things that didn't age well in Mobile Suit Gundam. 
Oh boy. So it's it's basically it's basically ten things from zero zero seventy nine that this person thought didn't age well. I thought we could go through them real quick and just give our We know, can like rebuttal them or agree with them, you know? Yeah, I mean I yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that there's, you know, a good amount to say. So the first one, ten out of ten, is recycled animation. It says one of the sad truths about older animation is that the series cuts corners while making them and uh, uses a lot of the same animation twice. I could not disagree more. And Simon, I feel like you're going to come for this as well. What do you have to say? That's fucking bullshit. This person has obviously never animated shit in their life. Like, on anybody that, I don't know. First of all, like, people fucking love Naruto. Half of Naruto is just flashbacks to other shit. Like, other anime. Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, Yeah. like, and I mean, I get it. Like, Like, I think that... I don't know. I do a lot of like animation for like video games and like all sorts of stuff. Animation's so fucking hard. Like pause the um pause mobile suit at any point. Just at any random point. Just look at it. Like you could frame any single single frame in mobile suit Zeta, like hang it up on your wall as like a work of art. There's like hand painted textures. Like, God, that's such bullshit. Like and it's I don't know. That, we talked that, about this in 79 in our last in season one which is that like i was expecting to have a lot of recycled animation yeah, the other thing is they, they don't yeah. like yeah. they i don't know considering that show specifically like this article is about that show specifically like that's so stupid yeah. like if you were writing about gundam wing maybe or even g gundam or like any of the 90s yeah. series i feel like they're definitely they figure out how to do that but there was not even like if anything it was just like the battle textures like of the characters like locked in battle you know with the you know stuff going behind them and some of the explosions they reused but anybody that's that that like to bogus. try to animate like a 30 second animation of anything also and i can't evaluate like yeah and only they need to animate they also need to do it by hand like this wasn't computer animation this is cell animation Photoshop wasn't out in the 80s. Like, that's... I can't even draw a picture. Yeah. Like, I can't draw a picture that looks yeah, even people. as good as 0079. Like, and the fact that they have pictures that move, yeah. I'm still blown away. Yeah. This person is, like, watching 0079 on, like, a fucking, like, free site. Like, they've paid zero dollars and zero cents for it. They're just, like, complaining about the animation. This person is watching so Gundam in Spanish with an English sub. things that didn't age well the language talking english (laughs) wait this article is written by alex what the fuck no it's uh you can just continue on i don't remember who wrote the article talk about what the article says what's number two all right uh so nine out of ten and this might be a little bit more valid is girls taking care of the kids i agree a hundred percent that's just some that's some toxic ass misogynistic views that every media has it on ever yeah we can we can all agree that that's definitely like that that can be on the list i think that that's so valid and we talked about it a good amount in our coverage of 0079 but the the way that frau bogus just gets like set up with these kids and has to take care of them you know definitely very frustrating but also part of the time it makes me like really hopeful that like we like as a people like have kind of in such a short amount of time have have like canceled that mentality so quickly like that's been something around since like fucking like you know prehistoric times like for whatever reason like 
people were just like this is how you treat women and then like now we're just like nah homie like that ain't it so i don't know it's it's definitely feels like a relic every time you see it but it feels good that it's a relic because you're like oh we don't do that anymore but then that's also like bad because like we a ton of like places still do do that and so we can't write it out i think anyways my perspective on it is yes of course those things didn't age well but it's also useful to point back into like oh look at this is an artifact of that time right and of that attitude like this is what women are expected the women were expected to take care of the children and the men were supposed to be tough never cry and punch you know the solution to every problem was to punch in the face you know um so and of course it's a cartoon so everything is exaggerated but it's it's a great artifact to to look back to and understand this is going on today it's also important to t- like take into context that some people still believe that way and still oh, very much way. yeah you know there's still a lot of people so you know it, <clears throat> the art reflects life and it also is like important to see these things and say that they're bad yep um, yeah. and not right yep. so uh, we'll move on to number eight which is I think kind of in the same vein which is everyone slaps everyone all the time <laughs> oh, I, think yeah. <laughs> I think that's aged great question wasn't it just bright slapping everyone all the time yeah. <laughs> I think it's mostly bright if you consider if you take into consideration Zeta if like I think this article is mostly geared at 0079 but there is definitely like a lot more slapping I think Ryu gets in on the slapping oh yeah a little bit also, I don't know if that doesn't age that well because Armour deserved to be slapped like most of the times he got slapped. Like, come for me for that take, but I'm a fan of I the slap. It. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's I'm funny. A, if I ever have a disagreement with any of y'all in real life, like you already know. How <laughs> yeah. Like next time I see you, your asses are so grass. <laughs> I mean, it, again, like if, if you consider this into the real world, like. Uh, you know, Christian, Alex, and I have a friend, Bo. When he went into the Marines, he would he said that like if he disobeyed orders, like his you know superiors would just punch him in the face. It's not supposed to happen, what? but it happens. Yeah, that fucking so, sucks. It does suck, and I remember <laughs> being like, uh, I don't know why you did this. Yeah, um, or but, why you uh, signed up for you know. that. But that's yeah. <laughs> it sucks. But it is the the military, and you know it is fucked up but you know again it is part of you know real world but again yeah it doesn't age great but at the same time it's just part of it i don't think that that's big, like that big of a gripe to yeah. me you know what oh, for sorry. any show for any drama i feel like slapping is like cowbell always more cowbell you yeah. know the more slapping <laughs> the better i All right. we do, well we know we're christian <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, Christian just watches UFC fighting <laughs> all <the> day. <laughs> he loves it. He goes to Buffalo Wild yeah. Wings, doesn't wear a mask. Oh, God, I wish fighting. that was me right now. What I wouldn't give to be in a Hooters watching Conor McGregor beat the shit out of Amaro. <laughs> all right, number seven. Uh, this one I, I think is valid, but it's girls getting killed to make boys feel yep. bad. I was just yeah. thinking we- about that one. Yeah, I think that that's definitely, uh, we definitely touched on it, and of course we have the two biggest Lala simps in the West and East, um, so 
<laughs> so I mean that's definitely where her character got used in the show was to to make you know make our other protagonists feel bad, which was fucked up, and um, we we all can agree that that's not uh, the the best, but it's part of the show. Honestly, I didn't even realize that that like was a device they were using. Oh yeah, it's happened multiple times in Zeta. Like first, it's yeah. the initial Titans pilot. I can't Lila. The Lila dies, and that what? changes Jared. It advances his character, and then more is the another event. Right? It's mm-hmm. used constantly in Gundam, and it's you know it's something that is really it's just kind of one note writing. It's lazy writing. Anyways, I was trying to look it up, but a- apparently the term is disposable woman in in the writing world. Yeah. So whenever a female character is sacrificed to advance the character, it's happened. I feel like yeah, I feel like that's similar to like femme fatale is kind of like wrapped the into Bond that. girl it's like, story type. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So many of those Bond early Bond movies, which I like, have seen them all uh, so many times. Uh, it's like the worst parts of those movies is how the female characters get discarded so easily. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's just a product of this time period and it yeah definitely i will agree with this article that that does not age well yeah this one i feel like could be a little bit more divisive number six is char asnable is sayla's brother and let me read this real quick mobile suit gundam came out shortly after the original star wars movies hit theaters and the influence on the series is evident someone was clearly looking at darth vader when they designed char asnable's costume and the mobile suits often often fight with swords that look specific specifically like lightsabers all of these similarities feel pretty forgivable but the one that seems the most egregious is the reveal that char is sayla's brother i don't uh, know that's a stretch dude uh a this was in in japan so it was, I mean, it was big in japan but it wasn't the cultural icon it wasn't in the states get your ass out of thinking america's media is the only media out there thank you that's exactly what i yeah. thought when i heard it it's not it's not at all like the same i don't know it's just like a very different culture it's very different like there's definitely i would say that there are a lot of japanese influences on star wars way more more than than star wars probably influenced this yeah also like fucking like the whole idea that you have a secret sibling that has been your enemy the whole time is fucking biblical like that's like that yes. like, it's, like <laughs> it's like came from the bible yeah. it's like are you gonna get mad it's like things that didn't age like well it's like someone appearing to be the chosen one like that's just a ripoff of jesus like star nah, wars is a ripoff yeah. of a bunch of creation or like just a bunch of myths as well totally. so it's like it's just a stupid yeah thing. and like other cultures storytellers it's like don't you fucking dare think that star wars invented every, every all of the plot points that it yes. did like it's just like a bastard bastardization of like all of like the things George Lucas has like heard over, and that's fine because that's how art is made. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. and like I like, there's nothing wrong with that. But that, yeah, I don't, I, I haven't found anything in Gundam where I'm like they're using a plot of something else and they're not crediting them. Well, Ugh. also on another point, the reveal that they're siblings does that do does that detriment the story at all? No, no, it, it makes, makes it, it better. interesting. So. You know, on another level, it's like, why even bring that up? I can't up? imagine thinking that. Michael, can you get this dude's personal address? Can you, can yeah. you like, email, can you, is there an email where we can get his home address? 
as a podcast, we're anti-doxing, but in this case, we're pro-doxing. Also, also, we're gonna send this guy. Also, this <laughs> this person mentions Empire Strikes Back, which was released after Gundam came out. So, like, fucking dude, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna yeah. talk shit, get your shit right first. Get your facts straight. It took yeah. me literally thirty yeah. seconds to find out that fact. Come on. That's such a good point, Alex. I'm so <laughs> glad that you mentioned that because that is such a good point. Yeah, that I, that the, this by far the reason why I even wanted to bring up this article is that I hate that point specifically. Like, if you don't like that plot point, I don't understand what you got out of the show. Yeah, because <laughs> I think we all we all agreed that that was some of the most compelling stuff, like, and most of like what we enjoyed about the lore of the show came through Sela and her relationship yeah. with Char. Like otherwise, it's just Amaro like pouting on a fucking ship for you know. And if, and if you want to say something to age well involving involving Charlotte, I would say that the fact that she's not featured more in the show did age well because that did not age well. Yeah, should have been the oh, main protagonist. Yeah, after, after you go th- exactly after you go through all of this, can we all say something that we didn't think age well? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, yeah, five. and this I forgot I forgot to mention earlier hashtag where Sela I will not. I do not stand for the injustice of that Sela is not in Zeta. Yeah. Hashtag where Sela. Please Photoshop Sela into Sayla. Zeta so I can enjoy it. <laughs> Free Sela, yes. Sela's um, been in the brig. She can't get out. Please. <laughs> where is she? I love Sela. Um, all right. I feel like actually at this point, the guy who was writing the article should have just been like, you know what? I actually just don't like this show. <laughs> I'm not even going to do five more. <laughs> Uh, five out of ten is Amaro is the worst. So, okay. question about that: Is he saying that they thought that Amaro the worst is an age well, or is he saying Amaro doesn't age well because he is the worst? He is just saying that he be he behaves like he's the only one with any problems, and that he that he's the only one that has to make difficult decisions. That's like oh, the whole he's premise of his he's character. 16. He's a teenager. Every teenager thinks their problems are the worst problems. I think Alex brings up a great point. It's like. Is that doesn't age well, or is that just an opinion that you have? And it sounds like it's just an opinion that this person has. <laughs> that doesn't even fit the yeah. format of their stupid article. Fuck that. I mean, yeah. we we complained about Amaro enough to like you know realize that he has faults as a character, and definitely like there were some moments where you're like, all right, man, come on. But to to just like say that that didn't age well doesn't make any yeah it doesn't make any sense. Exactly what Alex said. <laughs> this is a weird one to put in at number four. The mobile suit can transform. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. I, I put up the article. That's fucked up. I, uh, I put up the article. Read the same one. Michael is this person mentioned Transformers. Transformers came out in 1984. So go fuck yourself, dude. Alex, Transformers Alex, stole Alex, Gundam. Alex is holding a three ring binder full of all of the receipts <laughs> that he has. Alex has brought receipts to everything. Holy shit. I want to actually read this one because I think it's funny. Like, I, I, like I feel bad even giving this article the time of day, but it is just entertaining. The it, the first sentence in this says the white suit and mobile suit Gundam has the ability to adjust <laughs> the core of itself. <laughs> A white one with the shield. <laughs> Look, if this had said what doesn't age well, midair conversions. Like then, then at least you person. watched the show, yeah. but this he calls it the white suit. That's not even a thing. It does he mean? He doesn't mean the white face, does he? Like, 
Is he mean oh, RX-78? Like what? He's talking about RX-78, but he's the calling white. it the white suit. When the large metal man transforms <laughs> into a much smaller transportation <laughs> unit, I dislike that. <laughs> All right, number three is silly character names. Again, I don't, I don't see how that didn't that age seems well. racist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I mean we we have mentioned how this show names like one character for the next ben one Woodard. Sarah, another one Yazan, <laughs> and Make then the one spaceship ben radish. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't agree with that. It is funny, but I don't think it didn't age well. It's just it's just funny. Um, same thing, same thing with number two. Although this one to me, I find to be the most egregious, which is the cheesy music. Dude, you got a problem? Well, the, and the music aged phenomenally. Yeah. Yeah. It says he even mentions that the the theme the like the um main theme Fly Gundam feels outdated. Uh, no, it doesn't. That is fucking I, fuck you, dude. Wait, yeah, outdated so as in it was made not currently, <laughs> as in the show came out like thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah. All right, more than that. I think I think that we need to change change what we're doing with our podcast and just start calling out outdated. <laughs> yeah, things yeah it's just watch. like number one. <laughs> Like, this seems like a show from another generation. Like, <laughs> huh? I just watched Casablanca, and, like, why didn't they shoot this on, like, 4K IMAX? Like, I just don't understand why they wouldn't do that. I just watched Fly Me to the Moon? Where the fuck is the sound? Like, sound is so important. Alex? I just looked at the author of the article. Uh, her name is Liz, so I don't want to misgender her. We're calling her a dude. I mean, a dude is gendered name. It's a she, like, okay. at least get her, okay. let's get her pronouns correct, assuming that she goes by she. It does on this CVL website, so I'm hoping that's her actual pronouns. Okay. And it turns out will, that she's Regardless, Liz, I'm coming for your ass. <laughs> yeah. I will say that the, part of the reason why I was saying dude is because whenever I looked up this website, I didn't know what it meant. So I went to the About Us, and it's like, I think there's only one woman on there and just like 17 dudes oh that went yeah. for this website. So I was just like, um... Probably a dude, but yeah, you're right. Uh, you know what? I don't have a problem right. with Liz. Good call. Okay, Liz. It sounds no. like seems like pumped out an article to make a little bit of money. She doesn't really know all that much about Gundam, but it's just you know getting by. <laughs> I do take problems. I take problems with her opinion. I mean, the article's on bad. Gundam. Yeah, <laughs> I specifically take problems with her opinions on on, on Gundam. I'm more I'm more upset that they called the article things that didn't age well, where when it could have just been like things I don't like about Gundam. And then, yeah, like, I would have I would have been also, better with the thing. I also don't understand the like this is a general idea that I have on like criticism, but I don't understand writing about things you don't like. Like why put time and energy into writing about something you didn't like when you could just write about stuff you do like? That's why websites that like Pitchfork that like review albums. I'm like, why are you talking or like wasting your energy? talking about like you know whatever album you don't enjoy when you could just like talk about stuff you do like michael it doesn't make sense to me that is some like deep-seated like human thing that like because i think about that a lot too and but like look at youtube like the most popular youtube videos are just people like tearing like apart shit videos. like why do people like that like critique videos are like like why wouldn't you just nobody wants to watch something about somebody saying like 
here are all my favorite parts of like Inception, and here's why. Like everyone wants to watch like the what's wrong but with videos. And on I don't top get of it. that, there were so many other moments in the show that didn't age well that the author of this article Save could them. have pointed out. Like, yeah, ex- exactly. That's a really good point for this specifically, Christian. Is that it does seem like they watched like three episodes and were like. The music's kind of yeah. It's like the premise of the article was why they wrote it. I I have a hard time even yeah. calling this an article. Um, and then the last one, number one, is that the series got canceled. That's the thing that aged bad. Dude. Okay. Yeah, that uh, I guess that did age bad. We 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 meet that in silence. <laughs> uh, so too soon. Too soon. Hearing it like that sounds bad but like reading the little paragraph that they write about why they're explaining it i do agree it did it, the fact that it got cut in an episode doesn't age well so do they do they like this show like i'm confused yeah i, I think we should get in contact with liz yeah, and get, get her on the show and see what if she, she wants yeah. to talk to us about hey. her, her, her uh, journey with gundam you wrote this article in 2010 what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> When did, when did this article come out? It was this year, uh, okay. I think in February. Yep, February 22nd. Wow, okay. yeah, you should reach out to Liz. You know, I wonder if it's uh, us like, just kind of like digging more into the franchise and the lore and everything, or if in general, oh, like Gundam is getting a little bit of a, a surge of popularity like during COVID. I think it's... I think it is yeah. getting a surge. I think. I think I feel like all like from all that I've seen, I've just seen a lot of people getting specifically into the model kits. I think a lot of people are just getting into uh-huh. anime in general, or like reliving nostalgia based off of you know being stuck at home and needing to explore like their previous. It's like comfort and stuff. food, I, mean, I guess, for you know during quarantine. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like Gundam. Um, I think this article is kind of like evidence of that. Like someone who probably doesn't know a lot about the franchise felt the need to write this article or was directed to because I think there's more interest in in Gundam in general right now in this moment. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Before we move on, I do want to say, Liz, sorry. Sorry to come at you like this. I know it was unexpected. But uh, we had to take down that article. Liz, for the light roast. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I'm all, gonna give. Uh, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give Liz the credit that she clearly knows a lot about anime because she has written a lot of listicles about anime. I'm <laughs> 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 going in the deep dive right now. Actually, um, Liz can almost certainly hang. Like, Liz, Liz can is hang. Probably Liz so can hang. She just chill. happened to write a not great article. There's a lot of shit that I wrote that's bad. Like. We I don't do. know. I mean, I've I have bad yeah, opinions, so okay, I'm right. not gonna say. That, I'm gonna that, uh, I'm gonna hold up my opinion of. Okay, okay. Liz puts uh, RX seventy eight as the number ten of like ten of ten of like top mechs in anime. Okay. So wait, what got number one? Uh, we'll, we'll see what got number one. Um, one. But I said that in the dumbest way possible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Number one is V as uh, VFS one Valkyrie. Never even heard of this. Uh, uh, Super Dimension that's... Fortress Marcro- uh, Marcross. Oh, Macross, yeah, that's pretty popular. That's like a retro show as well, I think. 
Okay, she has two. It appears that uh, Lewis's parents live in Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> her husband is currently working as a banker. She has she has two she has two mumbo suits on this list of the ten best mechs, so can I guess the other one? You uh yeah, let's see what you got. Uh is it uh Gundam Wing Wing Zero? No. Uh it's Churna Gundam. Turn A Gundam. Oh Turn A Gundam. Yeah. yeah, the one with the mustache. Yeah, the mustache is pretty uh, awesome. The yeah, pretty awesome. Wait, the more I see show. it, the more I anyway. like it. At first, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Same. Yeah. Also, I, I want to... I, I just want to think about this. This is this is not Lewis. This is a critique of CVR. When the article yeah. is named Gundam's Greatest Mech in Anime History. Huh. So whoever, whoever made this website is a bad anime fan. Yeah. So it, I think... So, it's clearly not Liz. It's clearly her bosses telling her to do right. stuff. And she, you got to make money. You got to make money. Yeah. I mean, in like, if she, if she had to watch ten different series, like, to fill out the quota for that, like, article. Yeah. That's just no like one. too much workload. She's probably getting paid yeah. like scale on this. Also, and, like freelance. Yeah. It's, I had to, it's yeah, fucked we're up. No, we're, you know? we're no longer. It's just fucked. I'm no longer down to dox the author's article. I am down to dox the starter of CBR because they are bad. At anime. Yeah, let's like go after CBR <laughs> to have them pay their employees. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's yeah. unionize them. <laughs> yeah, unionize them. All right. At this point, I think it's best that we move on. Christian, do you want to take us into episode thirty-one? Yeah, let's 31? jump in episode thirty, everybody. Let's do this thing. I do think that 31, this is going to be uh, the, what I have the most to say about. I think Simon Yeah, I well. can't wait. I know that guys. he's already itching to speak so on So this episode is called Half Moon Love, and I love the, the episode name. Um, yeah. So Sarah is on a scheme to plant a bomb in Von Braun City. And so she goes uh, undercover. And uh, but she runs into Camille while he's out with uh, Fa looking for the children because it seems like they've gone missing. Um, so he runs into Sarah and they bump into each other and they have a little bit of a conversation. Um, and they have this kind of weird connection moment. I think we'll get into that uh, later. So uh, Sarah warns Camille of the bomb that she has planted for some reason. She has a change of heart. And so he attempts to retrieve it as the Argama plans his escape before the bomb is said to explode. Um, so anyways, Camille knocks Sarah out and he takes her back to the Argama and they escape just in the nick of time before the bomb explodes. So boys, it sounds like you guys are raring to give your takes on this episode. Uh, Simon, go ahead. Or Alex can go first. Yeah, this is my not okay moment. It's okay. It's not okay. It isn't? Insert the, <laughs> insert the drop. Oh, yes. Yes. Motherfucker, why you gotta knock her out? Like, she oh, rude yeah. as fuck. <laughs> rude as fuck. Come on, dog. Like, she clearly already had some sort of change of heart. You don't, have to, you don't have to just abuse a random woman because fuck you. Camille, you goddamn fuckboy. Okay 
<laughs> Alex, yeah, that's a really good point. I really do not like when he punches Sarah, and that yeah. and that lady walks in on him, and she's just like, "Uh, what, what did I just see?" And he's just like punching her in the stomach. It's yeah, doesn't up. he like? He reaches for the bomb. He messes up, and then gets and gets mad, and then punches her in the stomach. That's like, the only thing I was going to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Have you all had a moment in your life where you're like reaching for something like that, and then you just like hit it with the tips of your fingers, and then it like goes into an unreachable location? Because that scene, yeah. I felt so viscerally of like assembling <laughs> gumplas, where you like <laughs> almost have a piece. Like, it's like a sticker, for example, and you, like, have a sticker, and it's, like, yeah. all lined up, and then you just bump it, and you're like, yeah. you know, I thought yeah, they, if, they did a good job of that. If um, Camille had punched a wall instead of a human, I would have been like, yeah, 100% normal reaction, but not when you punch a human for that. Oh, no, that was fucked. Yeah, Camille, he, he has some butterfingers, and he definitely he fucked up, and he t- definitely took it out on Sarah when she was like, let's just get out of here, and he's like, no. No. I'm gonna Punk but you. also, that's exactly what he does do, just get out of here, so. Get out of yeah. here, but you're going to be unconscious. Yeah. All right, I think I think it's time to talk about Sarah's fit. Yep. Simon, what, what do you have to say about this? The crop top, the beret, the big coat, the high-waisted pants. I think that you could, okay, I think I'm going to make a, um like, steal her fit uh meme, because... Yes. I, um, Emma just got a pair of dickies that look exactly like Sarah's pants. The crop top's tight as fuck. The beret looks so fucking fly. And she's got just pearls on that, too. Like, well, it's just like, I want to look like Sarah. I want to be walking around Von Braun City and just having like a day out on the town. And I want to fall in love. Like, that's like where, like, I want, like, I don't know. That's what, if I were to be teleported into the Gundam universe... It makes me so happy that that fashion sense, like, exists in-universe. Like, people think that that looks cool as fuck. It also just, like, really reminded me, I think, of the beret of, like, Metal Gear Solid when she was, like, sneaking through all the shit. Who wears a beret in Metal Gear? Is it the... I don't know. One of the dudes does. I don't remember. But, um... Oh, oh, um, sorry. Uh, Ocelot wears a beret. Sorry. Yes, Ocelot does. But... No, I like I her what a beret a lot. was. I thought it was a beret. I was like, uh, a beret? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but I also really liked um Sarah's whole moment of like it, it's always nice to see one of those things of like, oh, like I can be I can feel more like what I feel my gender is, you know? Uh-huh. Like he had a really nice mm-hmm. moment like that with Camille and I thought that that was handled like really well because it wasn't like forcing her to be like, oh, you're feminine, act feminine. She like very obviously just felt like her gender identity was being suppressed and i like mm. i don't know that that aged very well um to contrast yeah. the previous bit um anyway alex i was gonna say have you looked up sarah cosplay the other more than one person oh as her my in. fingers are going so fast right now <laughs> oh my god oh <laughs> Yeah, I did think it was funny. It was like, uh, I'm going to go in disguise. Like, what's my disguise going to be? Oh, I'm just going to be really attractive. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just going to be really hot. <laughs> that's um, what, like, people at, like, DIY shows look like. Or that's what the people that, like, I want to hang out, that, like, that yes. I want to hang out with. One thing with Sarah, the first time I watched this episode, it kind of pissed me off watching Sarah's story in this episode. Because first time she, like, infiltrates 
Von Braun City is like a James Bond badass where he like knocks out that dude with zero effort. Yeah. And um and like does all that, you know, stuff. And then she's so easily just kind of like turned around and like, well, I guess I feel bad about this and um I don't know. But the second time I was just more into the whole vibe of the episode, which I really liked. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, I <clears throat> I was gonna say that one thing that I realized on the second watch is like that kind of whiplash that we feel with Sarah's character. It's like one minute minute she is being very you know sleuthy and very intense, and she's planning a bomb to kill like so many people, and then the next moment she's like, I just want to have ice cream with Camille, and like I just want to be like a normal girl. I think that this kind of relates to what we were talking about with Rekua, which is like the influence that new types can have on each other. I think going into this mission, she's obviously heavily influenced by uh, Sirocco. And then just coming into contact and having that kind of, that moment with Camille where they're like, tell, like their consciences and their empathies kind of react to each other. She then like sparks this different feeling. Um, but it doesn't override the fact that, you know, she has this other kind of influence happening on her. And it's similar to if you can relate it to four, it's like four is a very similar way where she, you know, is in Psycho Gundam. And then whenever that the battle with the Mark II happens and the empathy of Camille kind of meets with her, you know, ability to, to sense each other, she kind of has that like change of heart. And so, yeah, my one of my notes from the first watch was like it's fucking whiplash like. Like, one moment, she's like, I just want to get ice cream. And then mo next moment, she's like, I don't ever want to see you again. And I think that you're seeing the influences that the new types are having on each other. And that kind of, like, explains it a little bit. Makes it, like, a little more palatable. Sarah does say to Camille, uh, she's like, if only I had met you before I met Sirocco. And uh, yes. that that's kind of, like, another element to what you were saying. And from that perspective, it all makes sense, right? Um, you know the new types obviously have a huge impact on each other anytime they, they come into contact. Anything else you guys want to say before we move on? Yes. What are y'all's opinion on RX-139? Uh, that weird beetle-looking Gundam. Hambari or Hambari? The Hamrabi. Hambari? Ham the one that y Yazan pilot? Ham. Oh! Yeah. I do not enjoy the new Titan mobile suits and the back half of this series that much. They're very bird-like, kind of like animalistic, I guess, and they're not my favorite. This one reminds me of a beetle. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I, at first, but... really hated the designs for the Hamrabi and also the mobile suit that uh, Jared pilots. I can't remember the specific name of that mm -hmm. mobile suit. Um, Alex, if you wouldn't mind helping me out. Uh, but as I actually, again, as I was watching these episodes for the second time, actually, they began to grow on me a little bit. How, um, like Jared's like rifle or gun, um, would like change into a sword at what it changed into like a beam sword at one point that I thought was like pretty cool. And then he, he also has like cannons on his shoulders and, um, yeah, it, they're really off-putting at first, but they're starting to grow on me, the designs. 
Oh, I just googled like the RX one thirty nine just to look at what it looks like down a rabbit hole, and now I'm on a Wikipedia <laughs> article titled "Gundam War Collectible Card Game." Whoa! We got whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> we lost Simon. <laughs> God, <laughs> I, my bank account is so small now. How did that happen? Anyway. All right, one final note I have on episode thirty one um, was. There's a moment where uh, Sarah asks Camille about four, and she goes, "Was like, was that your girlfriend?" And uh, Camille's response to that is, "I'd like to think she was." <laughs> and I just thought that, that was like a very like, bro, I yeah, wish. I... <laughs> <laughs> very Simon, a bro, I wish response. <laughs> and it also again That's shows like his total disregard such, for like... Ba. Sorry, Simon. Wait. Like, okay, Christian, ask me if, um, ask me if, like, Scarlett Johansson is my girlfriend right now, okay? Right. Um, are you dating Scarlett Johansson right now? I like to think I am. <laughs> Man, that's badass. That's, that's like, kind of seems like I am now. <laughs> Um, anyways, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that one. I just really like the fit, and I think that the, um, the outfits and the character designs really resonate with me the most in this show, so it's always fun to, like, have an outfit that really resonates with me, or a character that really resonates with me, and that's why I think I like this episode yeah, so much. There is fit. That's, like, so funny that that's, like, what's sticking out. Like, I don't want to, like, like, the, the mobile suits aren't sticking out to me. Like, I just want to, like, replicate all the outfits. The fashion, like, yeah. Like, that's, like, my, like, the way that I build using this. I want to look like a Gundam character. But anyway, we can move on to episode 32. Oh, we'll definitely have some cosplay when I see it. So, episode 32, moving on. Um, unidentified mobile suits. And in episode 32. We, the Argama and the Dogoskir both head for the Xeon forces that have entered the picture on the asteroid Axis in a race to see who can strike a deal with the Xeon first. Their respective mobile suit forces enter a battle with each other and are soon approached by the Xeon mobile suits as well. So essentially, um, the Aug and the Titans are on a race to meet up with the Axis, which is this other um, power player in the I guess sphere of this Gundam universe and they're kind of the remnants of the Xeon Empire. Um so what do you think about Yazan's outfit when he's just chilling? That's another to like build on this whole fashion convo. I fucking love it, dude. He has like the deepest V. <laughs> he has like high waisted pants with the sash kind of going over it. And he's kind of wearing uh this like howdy. Is that what it's called? Those um like those really casual Japanese flowy shirts, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely grows on you as the series goes on. Yeah. I think Yazan, like, I don't know. He's a little bit of a cartoony kind of villain, kind of one note, but 
the more that you see him, you're kind of like, you know, he's kind of like, I'm kind of glad that he's here. Well, he's like, he's like, like this him. comically cartoony villain, but he has to exist in this world with all of these like believable characters. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like if one of our friends was just like hilariously villainous, you know, like we'd probably love having him around, you know? <laughs> Oh, like Alex. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. Alex. like, I love it when I'm just, like, playing video games with Alex, and then he starts maniacally laughing and stroking his cat and smoking a big cigar. It's very cool. I love him. You don't need to describe how I'm looking right now. Yeah, exactly. And every time, like, I score on him in Rocket League, he says, this isn't the last you'll hear from me, Simon. Like, I, I intentionally go join Simon's team and then leave. Just so I can be against him and say that over and over again. As the doctor love of this podcast, I want each of you to kind of search into what the connection is between Char and Rekua. Like, what is it that has drawn them together? What is it that's happening? Because it's not all that clear. Alex, go first. Between Char and Rekua. Because we be remember honestly, Rekawa is the one that he sits yeah. down with at the table. He's the redhead in yeah. the cafeteria. Yeah. Okay. No, I I like their um, I don't know. They have this weird like. It's almost like their entire relationship has been built on like them texting each other because like we haven't seen any like you know, verbal like relationship up until this point. But they're just like texting each other all the time, saying how much they love each other. And then there's very few times where they actually get intimate. Is this one of the episodes where they do? Yes. Or is that there later? is like a small moment, like this it is. It all something almost happens, but <laughs> it doesn't quite. Where we see Rekka was surrounded by all of her plants and everything. Yeah, it, it, it's kind <laughs> of like he like pushes his leg aside and is like gets up real close to him, and they're like having a conversation. And I don't remember. I don't think they or anything like that but there's definitely I don't know. it's like a nice like subtle it reminds me of like a like a rom-com type love or like a michael <laughs> a michael sarah type love you know where it's just like i don't know michael, about that. what what's going on <laughs> I, I think it's i think it's kind of like an unrequited love um in a way i mean i think i don't think that i don't know i'm very against the the idea of Rekawa's uneasiness coming from her unrequited love from Quattro. Because I think that there's enough in the way that she's treated, because she's treated by the Argama crew, by Camille, by Char, by Bright, as kind of like someone that's yeah. a little bit fragile, somebody that they have to kind of take care of. Anytime she goes on a mission, it's like, oh, is Rekwa doing that by herself? Like, is she going to be okay? Like, Rekwa, are you fine? Like, you look like you're hurt or tired. Like, they're trying to kind of take care of her. And that's part of the reason why I think she's so frustrated. Right. And then it kind of gets hamstrung in the idea that it, there's also that that Char isn't giving her enough. Or that, like, Quattro isn't, you know, isn't tending to her enough. But I don't, I don't really agree with that as like a like as a story idea. But it's definitely in there, and so I kind of don't like it whatsoever. I kind of think that it downgrades it her does. story a little bit and makes her like relate to this other guy who 
like really doesn't show much interest in her whatsoever um other than other than that tender moment like they definitely share moments but it is very much like we have to take right. care of Requa, which is, is is definitely frustrating because again it's just how the show treats its women characters sometimes like we've we've talked on it but yeah very like mansplaining ish of yeah definitely yeah just like we understand these things better than you, even though she's you know, as it shows like later yeah. in the show, it gives a flashback of her during the one year war, fighting on like as like a guerrilla warrior, you know, on like on the ground as a ground fighter, which is like very badass. Yeah, and she's very capable. Yeah, she's very she's competent. These, like s- exactly, yeah, she's so competent, and so I think that like and like I I mentioned this earlier about it feeling her like kind of moments at the end of this block of episodes feeling kind of the first time you watch it, like it didn't quite make sense why she was so frustrated or why she felt so like not yeah. at home on the Argama and then rewatching it. And then seeing, just seeing how they treat her character. It makes yeah. so much more sense the second time around. Um, so I, like I didn't even really think of until these couple of like small scenes. I didn't even think of them as like, really a couple at mm-hmm. all or like characters that i should think of that way personally to me if i were to like kind of reimagine it or reinterpret it i would much rather their motivations be that the reason why um they're drawn to each other is that they both have a similar kind of um they have traumas that won't allow them to open themselves up to each other they're like so that they can establish that contact. Rekka was feeling like there's not a whole lot of meaning left to life anymore. And so she to feel alive, she has to be in danger. You know, and I think Shar I, I he's he has ambitions and he has plans, but he's almost as that same kind of nihilistic way about him. Like he doesn't care about putting his life on the line or you know, <clears throat> sacrificing himself for whatever it is he's, he's trying to do. But, um, yeah, I would much rather interpret it that way because I think it would give much more credit to Rekoa as a character. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I think watching it a second time, it's much more understandable why Rekoa feels the way she does. Um, and then my... Un- the only things left in my notes here is that, uh, yeah, that Sirocco is seeming more like a cult leader <laughs> than anything else. But we've already kind of gone <laughs> over that. I love, yeah, I love that uh, that note. Yeah, that's such a good call because that's what he is. <laughs> so we're moving on to episode thirty-three, the messenger from Axis. So uh, this, I think, is probably my favorite episode um really in this block i like this episode too um so wang li boards the Xeon ship wadan and haman karn introduces him to the current leader of Xeon, minerva lao zabi oh yes the last surviving zabi member and a family member shar's grudge against the zabis doesn't help the Ayug's deal and Sorako plans his move for a deal with Xeon. So, yeah, so essentially they board the access ship 
and they're attempting these uh, negotiations, and Char and Minerva have this moment because they have a history together. Um, it shows there's like a little flashback to him kind of helping, I don't know what he was doing, babysitting her, visiting her, um, when she was a much younger, when she was like a toddler or something like that. Um, and she kind of spouts off, you know, Zeon propaganda, and he becomes incensed. He becomes angry because, you know, she's symbolizes this family, this thing he had tried so hard to dismantle. But, uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite episodes because of their escape from the ship, and I thought that was a, ah, that was fun. So what, what were your all's uh, takeaways from this episode? I just made you all listen to my TED Talk on Rekawa, so I'll let uh, Alex or Simon talk about this. I guess these last couple episodes, I just was like wrapping my head around um, the new implementation of like, or the zombie family as like a new kind of neutral power that they're trying to um, grab onto. I remembered that Char had like beef with the zombie family because the zombie family like murdered his dad, I think, right? Something like his, that. Yeah. Dad. Um, yeah. yeah. Was the. He, like, because he, he killed. Garma, Zabi, right. and um, what was the, what was her name? He shot her with an Cis, RPG. Casilia. Uh, like, oh, yeah, Casilia. Yeah. Oh, in the last episode, Fuck. incredible. But um, I really like the architecture of like the ship. It reminded me of like in a lot of sci-fi how they kind of handle royalty, which I really like just as an aesthetic, like in Firefly and I mean like Star Wars obviously has like all these like royal things, but it's always it's just artistically really cool to me because it's kind of like, you know, they live in the space age where, you know, they have computers and all of this stuff, but they still are architecturally building these spaceships, the insides to decorate like a you know, like feudal Japan, like a um, like she had fucking birds flying around exactly. in her ship. Yeah, I like. Oh, I, <laughs> I just like. I, I think that that's what stuck out to me the most. I, I don't know. I'm not like super invested in the whole zombie thing. If I'm being completely frank, like, I think that I'm more interested in Camille's story and everything. Um, because it seems to me like the zombie. The whole, like, conflict of that is just, like, never going to end because I don't know what the resolution anyone wants is in any of that. It's, like, do they just want complete annihilation of the other person? Like, that's not particularly interesting to me. I think that's interesting because I really like the kind of nod to the previous, like, the mm. history of the show. Kind of the history in the, in the franchise. So, to me, I think it's, like, really cool to have this name come back in a way that's not, like, outlandish. Not like a, like a character came right. back from the dead or anything insane. Um, but a couple of, you know... I, I think it's also interesting, the idea... This kind of puts a little bit of doubt into why Char is in the position he's in. Because mm-hmm. um, there's definitely a moment where they mention, like, you've got, like, we, yep. we sent you to the Earth sphere to, you know, engage in this political thing and kind of spark this political action it's like how much are axis haman and the zabi family how much are they involved in what's happened with the titans versus the Ayug? and mm. like how much right. like 
how, what 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 is Sharp playing towards? Like, what's what's his goal here? And so I really like that this moment kind of like brings into doubt what right. he's up to, because it's. And I think one of my favorite moments of this is in this episode, he screams at the top of his lungs, I've never betrayed anyone <laughs> before in my entire yeah. life. And I was, like, I was like, insert Tyler the Creator meme. That's a fucking <laughs> lie. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean in Shara's mind, he hasn't betrayed anyone because he intentionally made all these deals with the Xeon knowing that he was going to kill them. But he's also constantly pretending to be somebody he's not. He's still, at this point in the show, has still never... Shar Aznable is not his real name. His real name is Daikun. So, yeah. like, he's betraying everybody, like, by being two people. Like, he's not only is he being... He's like, it's like, it's like Inception. Like, he's, like, three layers deep on who he actually <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> and so it's, like, interesting that... Uh, you know, the, just the the hypocrisy of that of that statement. What if but at it, one point, like we run into another character who claims that they're Shar Aznaval, and like our whole like, <laughs> just, like he was just like, I've been telling you this whole fucking time, like I'm not Shar. It's interesting too. There's little details uh, dropped in there that also um, kind of uh, world build a little bit more. In that uh, there's a moment where Haman. Is like oh Shar must have realized our all of our soldiers are amateurs, and so it makes you take a step back and think and like okay. At first, we're made to think that Axis looks really powerful and like they have a lot of resources and that they're a major threat, but like all their soldiers are amateurs, so it's kind of like maybe this kind of gilded um, palace that's supposed to project a lot of power and influence but maybe they're like not as much as they might seem so uh, i thought that was an interesting little detail <clears throat> one thing that i was confused in the last couple episodes about is why is titan trying to work with axis like is it titan's whole plan to hunt down all the zeon groups that are left i think probably in name but like, in reality they're just trying to hold yeah. on to power yeah. Like, they're not... Like, officially, that's what they're supposed to do, but... Uh, yeah, that was the thing that, like, really confused, like, well, like, what part of leadership is like, yeah, let's work with the Xeons now. I mean, I guess enemy, the enemy is my friend, and that doesn't even work that way. That would make more sense for Axis to help uh, Ayu, uh, Ayu, so never mind. I Yeah, I was one thing I was just like, I guess kind of like, well, whatever, plot no, keeps going. Good, but... It's a, yeah, it's a good point, Alex, because it is like the the Axis forces come out of nowhere, kind of, and stop a battle, and you're like, why? And then you kind of find out that both sides, the Titans and the AU, are both kind of trying to get the Axis on their side. And I think that Haman is what what she was talking about and that like all of our soldiers are amateurs is that like they, I think that they have an air of like this very powerful force that maybe they're not even. And so maybe it's just that the fact that the Titans and the egg are both just like, if like we're tired of fighting this war maybe, or like this rebellion, maybe if we get them on our side, we can just like squash yeah. it or finish it and see what happens after that. So it, it is interesting. I also, I don't know why, but for some reason I really am drawn to Haman Khan as a character I just think she seems really interesting. Oh yeah. And I, 
I don't know what it is about like what it is at all, but she, I just like find her. I like very her hair, interesting. Dude. So I'm interested to get more. Same, yeah, same. I think it's probably the hair. It's the hair for sure. Definitely the hair. Okay. Let's move on to episode 34. The Call of Darkness. The Wang Li and Bright clash over what to do next. Um, Yazan attacks the Aeug ships while Sirocco watches from the sidelines. Rekua seems to be distracted during the battle and is defeated by Yazan. The Argama and Radish head to La Vie and Rose supply ship to regroup. So Bright <clears throat> is kind of cautioning Wang Li and saying, you know, the Argama's in rough shape. We need to resupply. You know, the crew needs a break. And Wang Li's like, no, we need to uh, attack. And uh, they kind of clash. And... Uh, yeah, and then in this episode, um, everyone believes that Rekua dies in battle when really she's yeah. kind of taken away um, by Titan forces. So yeah, a lot of a lot of important stuff happening in this episode here. Ong Lee is like everything that I fear about like working in like video games about the whole like investors vision versus like the developers vision you know because yeah. like wong lee is like that because that's exactly how it works it's just like this investor that is so blindsided by money is like their only interest is like they've built up this you know superiority complex in themselves because they like all the money's coming from them so they like make the final decisions without listening to any of like you know the programmers or any of the developers of what they want their vision to be and i've just like even though wong lee did buy two soft drinks for the kids which is very nice of him <laughs> okay like what the fuck was the plan there because like he seemingly got two soft drinks for himself and then decided at the last second that he wanted to give them <laughs> to the kids um, I hated that scene, mostly because the kids were in it, but also because they uh wanted to make Wong Lee or they tried to make Wong Lee a redeemable character. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I I like I, whenever I see Wong Lee like trying to argue. What was the other time that he argued with um fucking uh Quattro, and then he was like how long does it take you to get ready? And Quattro's like, oh, I need 30 minutes. And he's like, "That it takes you that long to get ready? And I'm just like, chill the fuck out. But it was good. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what else happens in this episode, to be honest, other than Rekawa getting defeated. That's mostly but the, the biggest seems... part of this episode. Uh, Camille begins to show signs of some emotional intelligence for a, for a change. <laughs> wow. and he gets roasted for it talk about character growth yeah <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> that was funny Christian oh. my only note for this episode is that Mr. Wong running around during the battle is really funny <laughs> trying to tell everybody what to do so and then getting pissed at him <laughs> yeah 
I just think it's funny. I just think of him <laughs> as like McDaniel's man. Like I, I just yeah, like I, I oh, just imagine him like originating in McDaniel's because that's where I first saw him. So it's kind of like this toy that they picked up in a McDaniel's Happy Meal that they carry around with them at all times. Yeah, in my mind, he is a general manager of a McDaniel's and oh. just did really well doing that. And so uh, instead of investing in like another franchise, he decided to like back a rebellion. His employees and, that's and tries to micromanage the shit out of everything. Um, so we move into episode thirty-five, Storm over Kilimanjaro, and in this episode, uh, Aug yes. and Karaba coordinate on a strategy on a joint attack on a Titan space in nestled within Kilimanjaro, the mountain itself. So, uh, Camille and Shar head down to Earth as Yargama attacks from space. They find Yamatov and Four inside the base. Uh, unfortunately, Yamatov escapes as Four once again boards the Psycho Gundam. So, um, episode 34 was kind of like the end of that little arc within our 10 episodes. I feel like 35 and 36 are like this beginning of this totally new phase of the show. Um, but this... Mm-hmm. Although I will say that they that thirty six ends on a very yeah. specific note, mm-hmm. um, so it, I I still feel like we uh, the we have a very good track record of these blocks always ending on something right. like at least yeah. decently big happening. Mm-hmm. But I, I love these two episodes so much. So go ahead, keep going, Christian. Oh no, I um I was a fan of the infiltration process into the mountain, um, I. I love this episode. And Camille's outfit, definitely major oh, the fit. highlight. Uh, I want that jacket so bad. Yes, the, the Titan jacket is so cool when he like yeah, when he infiltrates it in 36. Um, I love that. Yeah, I really like when the show brings in like real world locations. Like it's always such a yeah. highlight of the episodes when they like even like I was gonna say I that. feel like we talked a lot about like in Ireland, like the fact that it was just like mm-hmm. in Ireland, like and I don't know why we like that so much. I think it's because it reminds us a little bit that it's you know, it's canon that it's like on right. earth. And it's also cool because they choose these like incredibly beautiful places to do battle. Like they did battle in like San Francisco and i mean i think like the rocky shores of like ireland are very pretty and like now mount kilimanjaro like this beautiful mountain in africa um i mean it's just a really good juxtaposition rather than just doing like in dragon ball z i feel like they do every single battle at like you know some basic field with mountains in the background (laughs) like it's like field that is about to get so many craters (laughs) and like um so many so many craters (laughs) But, like, the Gundam, like, they set their backdrops as, like, you know, obviously either space, but, like, also these, like, really beautiful, um, like, the moon base. I, that's not a real place. It might be. In the future. Huh. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I really like the idea of, like, the the Earth Federation at this point is, like, so bent on being, like, militarized and, like, they're that they're putting bases inside of like the most beautiful mountains just to like be closer to launching to space. Like it's, it's wild to think that they're like inside of Mount Kilimanjaro. But I I was kind of wondering, like whenever you mentioned Metal Gear Solid earlier, Simon, I was thinking like, did he mean to say Metal Gear Solid? 
because I couldn't exactly think of what you were mentioning. But then thinking about it now, I realized that there are a couple of moments that definitely remind me of that, you know, where it's Sarah infiltrating mm-hmm. um, Von Braun City. And then here we have yes. uh, uh, Camille and Char slash Quattro infiltrating the base in Kilimanjaro. And I like, I love this these episodes. I really like where they find the little hot spring they'd swim in and then obviously the big reveal is that our favorite uh cyber new type girl four is still alive yeah simon yeah, did you think did did you think that that was earned or did it feel a little bit kind of hokey i think that it was earned because like the four that we see now is vastly different than the four that we saw before i think if we just got like round two of like a cute little love story um and like you know being taken away a little bit i would have been frustrated but like seeing four being like you know essentially like tortured and all this shit um i don't think it was hokey i really like four as a character and i you know don't really see if like her being brought back is kind of like them hinging on like okay four is a successful character how do we like get her like back in here like it seems to make sense that you know she would you know not just be like completely like murdered or whatever but i don't know it was like i was happy to see her i was um you know really the most interesting part is like how like mind controlled she, she seems to be now um because like seeing Camille like try to break that is like really compelling for me. Um, it just like I just think of Stranger Things the whole time that I watch that because it just seems very much like exactly that trope that like kind of uh, trope of like evil, um, like Stanford Prison Experiment type thing of like this huge cor- corporate like you know big military power kind of like torturing people and seeing what happens. Um, but I don't know. I like to see four. I'm really. Uh, so next episode is like something really big happens with four, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to see where that goes. But all right, well let's jump into it. Why don't we? I mean, like, to my under. Wait, now can we talk about like does four yes. die? Is that what happens? Yes. Yeah. In 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 episode thirty six. Bro, that Forever sucks. Four. Um. One um, note I did have on episode 35 was this: we get uh, Amaro back into the fold. Oh, yeah. um, we have a really nice camping sequence um, with Camille, Amaro, and Shar. Uh, and uh, I really like that Camille and Amaro are just consistently dunking on Shar, just talking about how like <laughs> fucked up he is. <laughs> and he's just like done all this fucked up shit with like Lala, and then. Uh, with um yeah. Brekawa and stuff so i thought that was really interesting but anyway yes. on to episode Forever 36 four. go ahead christian i'll read the synopsis and then we can do our last words for four because uh i've been wanting to uh, incorporate a uh, memorial uh bit for the show so every time a character passes away we'll kind of pour one out for them and kind of give them some last words. Reminisce Send on the out. good times. Yeah, reminisce. Send them out to the the deep space. Um, Camille manages to infiltrate the Titans Kilimanjaro base and find and rescue four Murasava. 
<clears throat> rescue. <clears throat> Not quite. Um, however, Camille crosses paths with Jared, and he and Four are forced to flee with Jared in deadly pursuit. Camille and Four don't get very far from the base before her conditioning takes over and causes her to summon the Psycho Gundam in order to defend Yamatov, Hyman's shuttle escape, which is leaving the base. Jared shows back up at the Byarlent to duel with Camille, who is in the Zeta, and is desperately trying to reason with Four. He is almost successful when Jared, who is making a lunge at him, manages to hit the Psycho Gundam and instead kill Four. Camille is beside himself with grief. So I loved this last epic battle with uh with Jared. Um and like the fact that Jared was kind of uh you know stumbling around and he was so, you know, uh dogged to fight Camille. Oh so like, bloodthirsty, yeah. yeah. This was like this is I think like when I was said earlier it we were watching a pot boil over. This seems like it is, you know, the pot is simply boiled over and Jared is just has this unrelenting bloodlust for Camille yeah. now. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It like really, I guess Jared was growing on me a little bit earlier, but he doesn't so much seem like a pawn right now, but I'm kind of just counting down the days until he dies because I feel like he as a character is just like a recipe for like an epic death at some point. Um, And I, it's like kind of too bad because I almost wish that Jared like uh, in Camille kind of like made amends and like Jared joined the AU forces or something like that. But it's kind of like, the point of no return where he's just so unnecessarily angry because that's what cops do i have a question for you guys was it fitting that four dies in this episode or is it just another um kind of boring example of the disposable woman trope no i think that like kind of at this point she's either I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to like phrase it. I don't think it was a, a, a boring, just another disposable woman trope this time. I feel like her death fitting. is... Yeah, it was fitting. It was kind of like... It's only fitting. It kind of mirrors what Camille did to uh, Ma, whatever her name Lala. is. No, not Lala. Uh, Jared's... Mora. Mora, yeah. Mora. So, kind of like a little mirroring there. And... Yeah, it was just like, you couldn't, like, I feel like if Forrest's conditioning had been fully broken, it would have been a disservice to her character, but she also couldn't just solely be on the uh, Titan side right. either. So, like, the option like, her either, like, leaving, never coming back because she doesn't know what to do, or dying. Yeah, I'm and almost glad like... that, or, I'm not glad that she's dead, but, like, that's fucked up. But, like, I feel like if she were to stay around, like, Camille would have just like turned her into kind of like or the show would have turned her into a character that just is only there to like boost right. Camille up and kind of like make Camille like realize him true self and like I don't really need that actually then to go back I guess I didn't want her to come back I kind of liked um how like we left her as this like you know just troubled soul that you know Camille just met in passing Michael I, I do think it's I think it's interesting that they brought her back just to kill her off again. <laughs> yeah, like cold blooded. 
but I do think that this death was better. I feel like this the first time was very much the disposable woman. Like she very much like sacrificed mm-hmm. herself for uh Camille and um you know his like uh comrades to be able to go back to space. It, it seemed very abrupt and I don't feel like it fully explored the character. Like I know that we really liked Four and like her character, but it just seemed like so quick to turn around from like this little love story to her dying. Whereas like this whole second like her coming back was just a tragedy. It's just a tragedy yeah. from the beginning to the end of it. And it, she doesn't recognize right. him. She does. She regains some humanity. She doesn't even know that she's searching for humanity, and then she dies. Yeah, and I, and it's just like fucked up. And I like that she didn't sacrifice herself, but she was killed. Like, yeah, 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 accidentally but intentionally, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it, it yeah, it just takes it like. It's a very tragic, yeah, her life is very tragic, and even at the end, it was out of her control. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, because you could argue that, oh, this is another example of that, but it was actually very meaningful, her story was very meaningful, very tragic, and I think it, it doesn't, it, her death doesn't just serve to advance somebody's character, um, or just to, it doesn't just simply advance the plot, but it's, it's very, there's, there's more to it than that, so I think, yeah, there's... Yeah. There's yeah. another element to it that kind of takes it to that next mm-hmm. level. Yeah, especially if we were comparing it to some of the female character deaths in the original series, where it seemed like they didn't quite get a, an arc. Um, Lala withstanding, I feel like Lala got more of an arc, but some of the previous female leads that had died, um, I'm trying to think of the one that Amaro uh, fell in love with. Lieutenant the Matilda. Lieutenant, oh, name. the blonde one. Yeah, yeah. Matilda, yes. Or no, redhead one. Yeah. Redhead one. <laughs> yeah. And she came in and basically served no purpose, got no development, and then died as a way to like spark yeah. his character, kind of. Yeah. And if you can contrast yeah. that to Four, Four just like got so much more... Backstory. Um, so much more watched. built up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and also, I... yeah, it also represents like the kind of evil of what the humans are doing by trying to manufacture mm-hmm. new types. Yeah. Um, so I think that all in all, like it, I think that having her come back and just these two episodes and the way that they finished, I feel like really served her character well. And I really enjoyed yeah. it. So I think, I think all in all, I'm pretty and pleased it, with it. And I felt like it was pretty effective. Yeah. It was emotional and it left her arc incomplete, which is kind of what her whole character was. Is mm. Uncertainty. That's a really good point. Yeah. She, yeah, she never, she never gets a, she never gets a closure. Camille never gets his closure with yeah. her, but also that's kind of the whole point is just actually yeah, a representation of confusion of what war causes people to do, what like yeah, like yeah, it's like we don't really have to make genetic engineering right now, but it's still like this engineering of these weapons that are incredibly dangerous and unknown is exactly what war was. Right. <clears throat> so one uh one thing that I did want to mention before we move on from this episode in general is it does have in all the tragedy there's like one really funny moment where Amro throws Jared off of a cliff. Did, did you all realize this? No. no, I thought Jared died at that point. I was like, oh shit, there goes Me Jared. Too. <laughs> I'll send you the the YouTube clip, but I found it clipped on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But uh, Camille just. He, he like it's whenever him and four are trying to escape 
Jared, uh, he's like on crutches, but he's able to pursue them, and he pursues them outside of Kilimanjaro. <laughs> and Camille throws him off the side <laughs> of Kilimanjaro, and he just tumbles down. Fucking Lion and King so into funny. a group of hyenas. Oh my god. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the YouTube link. It's so great. Uh, Christian, was this the uh, Gundam you were talking about? RX-160? Uh, let's see. The weird bug-looking one again. The swole bug. Let me... Uh, give me one moment. <clears throat> because I need to confirm oh. the name. Because <laughs> this Gundam... This one looks like, uh, like that Kylo Ren meme. Like of was, like fit of like wide Kylo Ren. <laughs> I was gonna say this one is an example why you never skip uh, Lake Day. <laughs> also, also, I love looking up robots. Um, or like, or I love looking up Gundam models, and then like it's like all these pictures of like Gundam models, and then there's like some car manufacturing robot that has the same. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got the R the RX seventy eight, and it's like all of us holding up robots, and then it's like me holding up like a servo motor part, like, <laughs> like a wiper, and it's like I thought this is what we were getting, guys. Um, I think at this point uh, we should probably oh, try yeah, to wrap yeah. it up. Can but um, one more wanna... thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead. I want just your kind of final thoughts moving into the last the last block where where we want it to go and what we're looking forward all right. to. So you know, um, Mawa. More? Mm-hmm. Mawa. I actually think he's pronouncing it right. It's It has an R in it written no. out, but it's Mawa. Want me to pr- Mawa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's strike one for Simon. <laughs> Simon. I'm excited for the next block of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that they I hope that they stay in the Mount Kilimanjaro area for a little while. That would make me really happy. Um mm-hmm. but also as we're nearing the end, I um and I'm finally getting paychecks from my old job. I'm really excited to build again. I haven't built in a second. And that is what I'm looking forward to for the next um couple episodes. Alex, what have you what about you? Uh I I want to see I'm hoping for like a very tragic death. More so than I want something I want something like real real dramatic death. I think it'll be a good capstone to the to this season. Especially because we know there's a and it's cause we know there's like a direct sequel to this, so I want that'd be I wanna see how they like set the conflict for it. Zeta Zeta or double Zeta or whatever however that's actually pronounced. I think we're I think we landed on double Zeta. Yeah. I think uh anytime in the Gundam universe, if there are two, like I think uh, zero zero is pronounced double O, Gundam double zero. What are you guys okay. talking about? Oh, ZZ, yeah, I Zeta. see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, I'm curious. Like, I I hope that the transition into Zeta, uh, double Zeta is like some tra- super tragic, insane like death or something to like set up the next. I. Damn, dude, I'm excited. I kind of um, like going along. With the idea that Char should be the main character of this show, um, I'm like going forward. I want to see more drama between him and the whole Axis situation. I want to see like 
I'll discover some more secrets or some other things about Char, hopefully in these next the next ten episodes. Yeah. I, I to kind of follow up with you, I think that I'm surprised at how invested I am in this story, kind of. Yeah. And I am excited to see the resolution of this and the kind of resolution of Camille's character. And I'm like so excited that we still have double Zeta to go into another 50 episode series. And then like we have Shar's counterattack after that. And I just like, I'm really excited to get yeah. to the resolution of this story, but also yeah. like also just stoked to be like, still have a lot left of it. When we were um, making the tier list, I like remember that all of us were thinking like we were rating all the series with like a ton of episodes, like 50. And so we're like, we're going to be like, oh, it's going to be such a drag getting through them all. And it's just like, I've been so yeah. pleasantly yeah. surprised. It's been pretty easy. Like, I'm not looking yeah, forward to say. the short ones because I feel like we're not going to have enough or we, we've set the precedent with like, you know, this massive world. Also, what's Char's counterattack? It's Is a that movie. A, or, I have some movie. I have two questions. What are the are the Zeta mm-hmm. movies just the um like the zero zero seventy nine movies where they're just kind of like recaps? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And so after after next episode we'll wrap up uh, Mobile Suit Zeta and then we'll jump straight in after a couple of episodes of uh, other stuff. Oh, yeah. We're gonna jump into yep. uh, Double Zeta, so which uh, does not have a dub at all. Um, so we'll have to watch it subbed. And also is supposed to be a little bit more comedic, which I'm excited. Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited but, for some laughs. Some jokes. But I do, I do know it's a direct sequel, so it, it'll be a good one uh, to continue the story. Double Zeta is in a sketch comedy format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has like a live host. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Chappelle show where like they it's... do little skits <laughs> with the yeah, damn look. Gundams. <laughs> The subtitle for Zeta Zeta is Whose Gundam Is It Anyways? Oh, there is funny. a comedy oh, Gundam funny. show that's pretty hilarious. I found it on YouTube and I was watching. I can't remember what it's called, though. Oh, God. Oh, no. I love <laughs> I content. I just love content. Ugh. Good thing, because we have plenty yeah. of content to go. Epic. Um, so, anyway, um, we will be back next Tuesday with the conclusion of Season 2 of Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. So next week we'll cover episodes 37 through 50. Uh, In the meantime, thank you all for listening. Uh, If you want to give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, I think we've got a Facebook now. Very exciting. Uh, If you have any feedback or uh, if you wrote an article that we absolutely destroyed on the show and you want to send us hate mail, um, it's GundamIHardlyKnowHim at gmail.com. Thank you to DJRX78. Thank you to Christian, to Alex, to Simon. Um, and yes. thank you for listening. Thank yes. you, Michael. Thank you. Also, thank you. people, send us, awesome. uh, thank you. send us your articles. Send us uh, pictures of maybe Gumpla you're building, uh, artwork you're send me, doing, yeah. anything. We would love send to see Send me it. pictures of comp cars burning that you burnt. I still haven't received any. And down with the big blushy, eat the rich. Um, I feel like Christian just said send us pictures so that Alex could get pictures of crime. He'll fit it in no matter what. And, uh, you know, we were all ready for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm here for it. Anyway. Uh, see you all next week. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Time to eat, brothers.
hangi hangi